Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 15th of September, 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Kyle Rodder from Capital.com for the day on the markets. But first, to that warning on petrol prices, which may continue to rise, threatening inflation, which has been easing because the oil price is continuing to climb. Rainer Bosch speaks with Vivek Duck from the Commonwealth Bank. So look, the, the major reason why we've seen oil prices lift as much as they have has all come down to cuts being delivered by a group of countries called OPEC+. Now, this is a group of countries led primarily by Saudi Arabia and Russia, but they account for about 40% of global supply. And the cuts that are particularly being done by Saudi Arabia, which is sidelining almost 1% of global supply, is in fact leading to this deficit that is expected in the second half of this year. And that is what is driving this oil price much higher than, than anyone really anticipated from the middle of this year. So what then does this mean for consumers and businesses? When it comes to what Australians pay, they're more interested in the petrol price or the diesel price. And so when it comes down to breaking that down for how it translates through, the oil price is your primary driver for for those fuel products. But there are other factors to consider. One is the Australian dollar. So the weaker the Australian dollar, the more we pay for petrol and diesel. And that is something that has also happened. And there's a risk that we could see the Australian dollar weaken further, particularly if we see iron ore prices come off from their highs right now. The other factor to consider is refining margins. So this is basically what do refineries make for producing a barrel of diesel or a barrel of petrol. And that, at least for diesel, has actually jumped up quite a bit in August. And that is driving why you go to the Bowser and you see that diesel prices in particular are more than than petrol prices. To that point, we are expecting deficits of around 3.3 million barrels of oil per day in the fourth quarter. What kind of effect do you expect that to have on the consumer? And what are you seeing in terms of petrol prices at the moment? In terms of oil prices and what they're looking at, they're almost looking ahead to to this deficit and almost trying to anticipate in advance that, okay, prices are going to rise and that's what's been reflected so far. So where do prices go? I think that's the the big question. And if we do see, say, um, oil come to $90 a barrel on average in the fourth quarter, and we're at around 64 uh, cents for the Aussie, we are talking around that two to two dollars a ten a liter for uh, petrol. You know that's roughly what historical relationships. That's pro- probably where we're we're talking about as a as a price level to aim for. But if you then factor in, say, something like a hundred dollars a barrel, and in an even lower currency, you know we're we're talking you know almost ten twenty percent more than that level that I've I've just talked to. So you know we could be up at two twenty two thirty dollars a litre. And so this is where it all becomes quite significant and why we should be watching to see how oil prices track and how low the Australian dollar can go if we start seeing um, that currency respond negatively. 
So, Vivek, just recently we saw US inflation data come out with a minor uptick of uh, 0.6%. That was largely driven by petrol prices. Are you expecting a similar thing to happen here in Australia? Look, when it comes to looking at consumer prices, usually policymakers look through fuel. So they will rather look at something like core CPI, and that tries to strip out some of the more volatile components or the ones that move around quite a bit, and fuel usually gets bunched up in that. So when policymakers make a decision, they tend to look at what's happening in the underlying inflation data, as opposed to the parts that that shift around quite a bit. And so because you strip out fuel, it doesn't become the natural policy response to, to fuel prices. And this is where it really depends on how long fuel prices stay elevated. If you see this price stay elevated for a while, what you end up happening is it feeds through to, to how prices are made. So for instance, the the, the cost of, of moving an, an apple between Sydney and Melbourne will go up. And that's something that will then become part of the price. And that's a second order effect, which takes time to happen. So it really depends how long these oil prices or these, these fuel prices stay elevated. So that's one of the biggest factors to look for is policymakers tend to look through this. But where this can have a more immediate impact is in consumer spending. So you tend to see households pay already for a cost of living pressure that we're seeing through, say you're paying higher rent higher mortgages, and then now you have a higher fuel bill, that means you have less to spend on items that you would you would want to for going out or, or other recreational activities. And that is where we could see this have a more amplified impact in the near term. So those are the key key parts to look at from a policy angle, but then on a spending side that that higher fuel prices can have. And finally, Vivek, you spoke before about the potential range that oil prices could fall into. What is CBA expecting? In terms of our view for the rest of this year, we're looking at at Brent oil in the 90s in the coming months. When we talk about next year, though, we actually think oil prices will come off. And this is really linked to global growth concerns becoming a, a bigger factor. You know, we are forecasting uh, recessions in some advanced economies, and that should be the the big lever where oil demand should ease, and that is where we should see oil prices start falling. So we don't expect this to stay there for a long time, but it really depends on how advanced economies track in in 2024. That's Vivek Dar there. He is a commodities analyst at the Commonwealth Bank, speaking with Rainer Bosch. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market had a very good day today, up as much as 2% on the S&P ASX 200, uh, eased a bit back towards the end of the afternoon, 1.3% higher is where it ended at 7,279. I spoke with Kyle Rodder, a senior market analyst at Capital.com for more. Well, it's effectively this idea that inflation can continue to come down in the United States while growth continues to power higher. So we had retail sales last night in the States, came in at about 0.6% for the month, which was much higher than expected. And now investors are buying into this narrative once again that, well, effectively, the US is heading for a soft landing or, and 
bear with me here, something of a no-landing scenario where we don't get any sort of a recession, we don't get a material slowdown. All of this happens while inflation gets back to target. So that's basically a Goldilocks scenario for investors. Um, US stock market went on a surge last night. It set us up locally for a really strong session. And effectively, most of the gains today was off the back of the fact that while everyone's feeling very, very confident that we can get this, again, Goldilocks scenario for, for investment markets. That's the US. What about China? Because there was some good news coming out of China today too. Yeah, well, it was twofold, actually. Um, last night, it sort of set us up reasonably well because we had some more policy tinkering, we'll call it, uh, when it comes to what's called the reserve requirement ratio, effectively a key le- uh, uh, rate for banks uh, that you know is going to support uh, lending growth. That, that was reduced. But then today, we also got a spate of uh, economic partials, which effectively showed a much bigger rebound than expected in retail sales in particular. Of course, China has been telling us for a little while that this is supposed to be a consumer-led recovery. The stronger-than-expected figures out of the country raise hopes that maybe we're reaching a little bit of a turning point for China's economy and maybe we can be, well, perhaps a little bit more optimistic about its growth outlook from here. Okay. um, On interest rates, the ECB lifted rates to a record overnight, but it did hint this may be the last. Are we seeing peak rates globally? Well, this is the question. And whenever you're talking about an interest rate hiking cycle, there's really three things that you have to consider. The level that you get to, how quickly you get there, and then how long they stay there. And at the moment, we're getting to that third part of the question, which is, okay, rates have come up fairly quickly. They're at fairly high levels, but how long are they going to have to stay here to bring inflation back to target? Now, when it comes to Europe, the situation is a little bit more complicated because they're dealing with slowing growth while still uh, inflation is fairly elevated. But the whole notion is now that, well, probably we're seeing the end of rate hikes across the globe. There might be one or two more here or here or there. But investors are asking themselves, how long will they have to stay there to bring inflation down? For the time being, that ECB story, well, I suppose uh, led investors very much to believe that maybe the job's done there when it comes to rate hikes. And again, that diminished interest rate volatility um, removes some uncertainty from the markets and investors like that. And finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment? Well, I think what we have to really think about as investors from a strategic point of view right now is valuations because, again, there's a lot of this excitement that pretty much we can get the perfect outcome uh, for the markets when it comes to inflation coming down and growth remaining strong. We've seen prices run up pretty significantly recently and things are on a valuation basis fairly rich. So people have to consider the risks and rewards of investing at these prices, at these levels. Are you getting a fair valuation for, for what you're buying? If worst comes to worst and we do see a recession because interest rate hikes start to bite or inflation is more persistent, are you willing to wear that drawdown on, on these fairly elevated valuations? So as always, it's about trying to buy things at a, at a good value um, and you've got to ask yourself whether you know what you're buying now or potentially buy now represents good value considering all the risks uh, that, uh, that are in confronting the markets. Kyle Rodder there from Capital.com. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.